The subject of this retreat is the nemesis of mediocrity. Ordinariness. Want of zeal and fire and love. Because we're conscious of it, we come here to make a retreat. Why then do we have to change? First of all, because life is the sum of forces that resist death. There is an evil principle in us that, if not checked, gradually pulls us down. Now when one experimented with pigeons, whom he brought to a very high level of different colors, pure white, Brown, the like. Then he set them free on an island, and later on they all turned out to be a dull slate gray. They had dissolved into the dullness of mediocrity. If a man takes a poison and is given an antidote, it makes no difference whether he throws the antidote out of the window or whether he just neglects it. Because the poison is operating in his system, death is certain. And scripture tells us how shall we escape if we neglect. Just neglect. We priests do not lose our souls so much because we do evil. Because we do not do much evil. But we lose our souls because we neglect to do good. How often in the gospel, for example, it is said, Thou didst not, thou didst not, thou didst not. The buried napkin. The refusal to walk the extra mile. The more ones had eyes to see. But it grovel down in the bowels of the earth, and nature, as if seated in judgment, said, Take the talent away. And the talent of the priesthood that is not used is taken away. This is the first reason we have to begin to act differently, to resist the forces of evil. And the second reason is love so quickly declined. Married love. With all the fuel that is there. I was once visiting a young married couple and the wife said, Frank, where is the paper? He said, over there on the table. And I said, a year ago, Frank, you would have gotten that paper. Yes, he said, the chase is over. I have bagged the game. Husbands no longer realize that their wives are beautiful. Jewelers get used to fine stones. And we become used to our priesthood. 
That's his job. Level off. See how often sacred scripture indicates the decay of love among us. For example, the Jewish people had sworn to God that they would keep all of the commandments. They would accept the covenant. And what God ordered them to do, they would do. And the God of Israel would be their God. In six weeks, in six weeks they were prostrate before the golden calf. Shakespeare, because it makes Hamlet say, apropos the quick marriage, of his mother. The funeral meets that coldly set forth the marriage table. And now, six weeks after this protestation of love, Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the tokens in his hand, inscribed on both sides. On the front and on the back they were inscribed. The tablets were the handiwork of God, and the writing was God's writing. Joshua, hearing the uproar the people were making, said to Moses, Listen, there's fighting in the camp. And Moses replied, This is not the clamor of warriors, nor the clamor of a defeated people. Sound of singing that I hear. And as he approached the camp, Moses saw the bull calf and the dancing. And he was angry. He flung the tablets down and they were shattered to pieces at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf that they had made and burnt it. He ground it to powder, sprinkled it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. He must have had a very good case of diarrhea after that. Then he said to his brother Aaron, the high priest, Why did you do this? This goes to show what happens when there's not strong leadership. Why did you do this? We can rationalize anything. And here comes the lamest excuse that is recorded in all history. Aaron said, Well, I took the gold offerings that were given to me, I put it in the furnace, and it came out a calf. It came out a calf. And they said, this was the God that led them out of Egypt. Love quickly decays. Samson, the strong man. Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. The lord of the Philistines went up to the country to see her and said, Coax him and find out what gives him his great strength. Now we, we can master him, find him, and hold him captive. And when Delilah tried to find out why he was strong, 
Samson was one of the few men in the scriptures that was named before he was born. In that he configured Christ. And Samson, who was always good at riddles, in fact, he gave the first riddle in the scriptures. Now Jesus, Delilah, and does not give the real reason, gives half a dozen others, none of which really are true. Until finally, he told her the secret. He said, if my head were shaved, then my strength would leave me, and I should become as weak as any other man. He then told the Philistines. So she lulled him to sleep on her knees and summoned a man, and he shaved the seven locks of his hair for her. And she began to make him captive. And the strength left him. The strength was not in the hair, as is so often erroneously said. Samson had taken a vow, the Nazarene vow. And the vow of the Nazarites committed him first to totally abstain from women and from strong wine. And the growing of the hair was the symbol of that vow. So that the cutting of the hair was also the symbol of the breaking of the vow. And then she cried, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. He woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as usual and shake myself. In other words, I'm as strong as I ever was. He did not know that the Lord had left him. We're not as strong. Evil works in us. Love declines. And then we hesitate about changing. First of all, because, as St. Thomas says, we can hate truth and fear goodness. We can hate truth because it means a change. For that reason, we often resent the truth that is about ourselves. We rationalize what we have done. We will stay away from a doctor lest he find, for example, cancer. We do not want to know the truth. In retreats, therefore, we like to hear about social action. moral problems, but we're not so keen in hearing of the truth about ourselves. That hurts. And we fear goodness, because we like to keep the standard that we have. We have settled our conscience. 
we offend our conscience as to what is a good priest. And we do not like to have that standard abused. And in the last ten years, the priesthood and the sisterhood and some of the laity have moved away from the standard of Christ to the standard of the world. We do not ask ourselves, does this please Christ? But does this please the world? So I will dress and act in such a way that I will not be separate from the world. I want to be with it. We marry the age and we become a widow on the next one. We take on this verbiage which never lasts over three years. What has happened to the word fascist that we used so much ten years ago? The word involvement that was so much used four years ago. Whatever happened to Harvey Cox? world and its fashion changes. This is one of the reasons for so much instability in the church today. The sand on which we are walking is shifting. We've given up the rock which is Christ. We fear his goodness. I can remember when I was a, a boy, I had a toothache. I would always go to my grandmother, never go to my mother. I would go to my grandmother because she would get some oil of clothes and put it on my tooth and ease it for the moment. If I went to my mother, she would take me to the dentist, and the dentist would start probing about. And I was absolutely sure that he would find something wrong and give me a little pain. I feared goodness. And this is the psychology of our mediocrity. And here is an interesting insight into those who are really good and those who are slipping away. First, the truly good people are always unconscious of goodness. Nothing embarrasses a spiritual person as much as to be told that he is spiritual. The closer we get to God, the less we are aware of our being pleasing to God. One of the reasons is if you take a portrait, painting, leather, and examine it by candlelight, the definitions seem rather good, the color is well chosen, but if you put it in the light of the sun, then all of the defects stand up when we are comparing ourselves with other people. We seem good. When we compare ourselves with God, we are nothing. When Moses came down from the mount, after communing with God, as the King James Version put it, he wished not that his face did shine. He was unconscious of the fact that goodness shone. Nothing would so much embarrass Mother Teresa as to be told that she is a saint. And the closer we get to Christ, well, the less certain we are of any merit of our own. Just study the way St. Paul characterizes himself in his epistles. 
And these are both of four, five, six years between the letters. One, I am the chief of the apostles. I have labored more abundantly than any of them. He worked a little longer, and then he said, I'm not worthy to be called a member of the church. And the least worthy of all of the apostles, meaning he ends up by calling himself the chief of sinners. St. Peter, in his two letters, in those days signatures were put at the beginning of the letter. He too became wiser. The first letter begins, Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ. He has a clear-cut affirmation of what he is. Then a few years later, he changes, and he begins his letter, Simon Peter, Simon, poor weak human nature. Simon Peter, apostle and servant of Christ. When we're young, we think we're doing well. When we get older, we're sure we're not. Hence, when the woman was before our Lord, the woman who was taken in sin, and our Lord began writing, who left first as he wrote the sins of those who were there? The eldest. They began to leave, beginning with the eldest. Because as we grow older, we know that we have done little. I've been a priest for 55 years, for which I thank God. I was doing much better 30 years ago in my own mind than I am now. Now I, I feel as if I had done so little. As time goes on then, We have to watch this different attitude of the good and the bad. I've already described that the good are less conscious of it, that we strive to be zealous. We're close to the Lord, we're more conscious of our failings. But the evil people, and those that are not living up to the full commitment to Christ, they're very satisfied. Samson knew not that his strength had left him. Saul, the first king of the Israelites, knew not that the Lord had left him. So what is happening, therefore, in the church is that we can become self-satisfied, resent the challenges to be different. Take a frog, put that frog in water the same temperature as it might have in nature. Then heat the water imperceptibly, but day by day increasing the temperature until the water is boiling. At no point 
in the increase of temperature will the frog ever offer resistance. It will never register the water is too hot until it's dead. And that's the way we are spiritually. We just become used to the temperature of the world. And we know not that it is possessing us gradually. Until we are in the hands. So we are doing battle, therefore, with frightness, shallowness, and dullness. And we have to resist and begin to go in the other direction. Not just staying at the point where we are and enjoying for a few days the spiritual exhilaration of confidence. veritable revolution of spirit. For Christ is our light. If we are walking away from Christ, or walking away from the sun, the sun is the symbol of Christ, the shadows are before us. This is one of the reasons why in a religious life and in the priesthood we have nuns and priests and laity, afflicted with every manner of psychoses and neuroses, seeking psychotherapy, afraid of these lengthening shadows, these phantoms and fears and dreads. And the farther we are from Christ, the longer is the shadow. Resentment aggressiveness, just as soon as we are checked and told that we are walking from the light. If, however, we walk toward the sun and intensify our love of Christ, then all the shadows are behind. Remorses, regrets, but as the sun comes more and more into our life, even all those pass away. Fears are gone. Remorse is swallowed up in the intense love of Christ. This, then, is our spiritual Fire has two qualities, light and heat. Light is truth. Heat is love, passion. We have the light. The enemy has the heat. Grant that as a result of this retreat, we may bring together.